Welcome back to the Study Pipe. This is Zach, and I'm with... You are with Andrew. It feels good to be back, man. It's been uh, many moons and uh, maybe even a season, huh? It has. I think the last time we recorded, Barack Obama was still president. <laughs> yeah, first term. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, what are we talking about today? Uh, you tell me. You said that you had a that I was going to be on the hot seat today and that you had some questions prepared to me, prepared for me. I'm not, not aware what those questions are. So I, I liked, I had a good time the last episode where I was in the hot seat and, you know, we were talking film in general and some other interesting things. And, uh, I wanted to, you know, flip the table around, um, and really, you know, develop some questions that explore this, concept that I think has been showing up more and more recently in, you know, different articles, social media, podcasts, whatever, um, that is really the death of the movie star. And I think it's an interesting concept. I think there's a, a lot going on in the industry right now. You know, when we grew up watching films, uh, we had, you know, Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, like all these heavyweight movie stars. And I think today we're in an age where, you know, the, the property itself is the star. And, you know, that's my opinion. Maybe you don't share that one, but I've developed some questions that explore this topic, you know, the death of the movie star and whether it is true in your eyes or, or, or not. All right. I'm, I'm excited. I, uh, I have a lot of opinions on this. Some of them very loud. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. I mean, I, I know I've heard you kind of talk about this uh, a little bit here and there, but I don't think I've ever like, you know, pinned you down and really sat down to kind of pick your brain on it. So I'm excited too. And how many questions do I have here? I have 15. Oh, shoot. So, um, you know, that's kind of like a job interview right now <laughs> for <laughs> yeah. you. Um, I got my suit and tie on. Yeah, <laughs> you, can't, but, you can't see it. Trust it's there. <laughs> yeah, I trust. Uh, what? Okay, if if you were in a suit and tie, and maybe you really are, but you had to wear a. This is pre question one. Okay, this isn't. This isn't question one. This is pre question <laughs> well, one. Okay. I, really, I really hit on a relevant topic here, <laughs> right? If you had to wear a movie themed tie to this interview right now, what what theme? Would you? Oh, I mean, yeah. what what tie? Like a movie, a, an actor, a star, a character. Oh, Pee Wee Herman bow tie all day, every day. Really? Damn. <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't wear that. <laughs> oh, I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> no, uh, what would I wear? Oh, you know, I would. Uh, if, if I had to like dress to impress, it would definitely be like one of the guys from Inception. Nice. Or yeah, you know, pick any of the recent James Bond movies. I respect that. That'd be cool. Yeah, Daniel Craig yeah. in um, No Time to Die. He had some good fits there. Oh, yeah. And uh, that, that uh, going back to Casino Royale, that was a baby blue suit that he was wearing. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, it's a good look. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. I was going to say, I'd, I'd wear what uh, what he's wearing in the chair. <laughs> in the movie. A little to the left. <laughs> yeah, a little to the left. <laughs> um, all right. So I'll get back on track here. So question one, 
what first comes to mind when you hear the term movie star? And how has that definition evolved over the decades, in your opinion? You know, uh, as much as I hate to admit it, um, the first thing I hear when I hear movie star, it's not a person that pops in my head. It's like a Marvel character. So interesting, you know, like uh, and, and like Thor or Iron Man, and I feel like these role, like I think we're, and I think that's because we're seeing these people like Chris Hemsworth or Robert Downey Jr. play this character for so long, and with like such high press that it's hard to really differentiate them from the role, and and I, and I think that's part of the reason that that popularity doesn't carry over to other works. Like when I think of Chris Hemsworth, I only want to like really see him in Thor. I don't really care so much about his other works in a way that drives me to go see the movie. If the movie seems interesting, I'll go see it. But when I think of Chris Hemsworth, I think of the role of Thor. That makes sense. I, so if I say movie star right now, first thing that pops in your head you you don't think of like the your Brad Pitts, your Johnny Depp's, not um, anymore. Yeah, really, it would it would have been five years ago. Um, and I, and I think uh, I think we're quick to blame Marvel and movie studios for the death of the movie star, but I think that I actually think that there's another aggregate like a another factor that happened about at the at the start of Marvel, which was. We saw a lot of – it was like really popular for these big movie stars, Will Smith, Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise, to kind of go Oscar baiting from like I would say 2005 to like 2012 where you had all these people that were big box office draws that started going for these smaller indie projects where they're, they're, it was Oscar bait. It was a Will Smith doing uh, The Pursuit of Happiness or um, what was that movie where he planned to – have himself cut up and donate all of his organs at the end of it. It was like eight pounds or something. Seven pounds, I thought. Seven pounds, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that one. Or, you know, you had Leonardo, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, who became so selective that he was just picking movies specifically designed for to have, like, the best director and the best chance of winning an Oscar. And So so if I could interrupt you, because you, you kind of sparked a, a sub question to this first one and you're kind of touching on question two which is um you know what what is what impact in what ways have uh blockbuster franchises really impacted you know the traditional concept of a movie star but kind of tying that question into what you just said here how do you differentiate leonardo dicaprio who to me is a movie star you know, I go see his movies not because he's Thor or the the property is bringing me to see that movie, but I go because it's DiCaprio and I want to see him, the movie star and his acting ability. So you, right now you're talking about Hemsworth, but there's this reality that you have DiCaprio who still exists within the modern day, you know, beast of Hollywood. And, you know, how do you compare and contrast kind of what he's offering audiences versus, you know, this studio system that really is, is putting forward, you know, the property and slotting in good fits, if you will, for the character. Yeah. I think he's a, he's a great example. 
Um, and I get, let me preface this by saying that I don't think that the movie star is dead yet. I think it's a dying, it's potentially dying. It's, it's, it could go one way or the other. We can see a return or we could, uh, you know, just see it, see it fully die. And he's one of those people that has still carried over as a box office draw. Like when, uh, you can look at the Revenant, which it, it wasn't a box office draw like, uh, you know, the Avengers, but for a movie about a guy out in the wilderness and fighting a bear, like that movie did really well financially. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so I think you can make an argument that people still go see Leonardo DiCaprio. They still go see Tom Cruise for Tom Cruise movies. And uh, that, you know, even Matt Damon, he's one of the top box office draws. I know he had the last duel, which flopped, but, a lot of his movies, like The Martian, did amazingly well. And you can't say that wasn't partly due to Matt Damon. And uh, Yeah, well, I mean, I went to see it. Well, I mean, yeah, Sir Ridley Scott involvement, his involvement. But, you know, Matt Damon, I still will go see a Matt Damon flick because, you know, he, he has that movie star draw uh, for me. I, I think for me, it, it's just hard to look at the current, you know, playing field of Hollywood and see anyone who is clearly up to the task of, of, you know, being passed this torch from, you know, Matt Damon, he's, he's getting up there in age, you know, Brad Pitt nearly 60 now, Tom Cruise, same, you know, you have all these movie stars who are aging out and I wonder how much of it is, has to deal with like, you know, me and you grew up and, and we're still kind of following these guys and gals around as they make a film um, versus, you know, this new environment where you really do have the, the property drawing people in. But I, you know, on that note, Robert Downey Jr. is kind of in, to me, in the, the middle of, of this classic movie star kind of definition I have in my mind, you know, versus, you know, the, the property driving people in because he really became Tony Stark, you know, I think there's elements of both ends of the spectrum involved in that role and uh, even him kind of carrying Marvel. And, you know, some maybe would make an argument that since Iron Man died, um, you know, spoiler, the MCU isn't really what it, what it used to be. I, yeah, I think that, I think you have a big example there for one. I think that, uh, I think Robert Downey Jr. is a perfect example of like this post movie star actually. Cause if you look at Tony Stark, every, every role that he's had, that's been successfully bought in the box office. Like uh, for example, um, Sherlock Holmes, you could argue that Sherlock Holmes is a, just a British version of Tony Stark at the end of the day. And, uh, and, and you know, as you remember, Robert Downey Jr. was, was, uh, he was a, um, he was washed up prior to Tireman. He was someone that kind of got washed out of Hollywood. He had many years of addiction. Um, had it been in a financially successful movie in a long, a long time prior, uh, you know, you can look back to like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, but that was more of like an indie hit. And so, I, I would say that uh, Robert Downey Jr. is someone that he so embodied the role of Tony Stark that he was able to successfully become a box office draw outside of outside of Iron Man by basically just rebranding Tony Stark into other roles. 
So, so do you think it right now, it, would you make an argument or, or do you think there is an argument to be made that Captain America, Thor are just not compelling enough characters to, you know, allow Chris Hemsworth and Chris Evans to transcend to that like superstardom? Because I, I don't think they've carried any films outside of the MCU uh, in a massive way that would, you know, I, I don't go see a, a movie because Chris Evans is in it. You know, I see the Avengers films, you know, the MCU films because of the characters first and foremost. Same thing with Hemsworth. I mean, I, he's popular. I do enjoy watching um, his movies, but he doesn't really draw me to the theater the same way that like Robert Downey would. And maybe it's because Downey Jr.'s performance was so incredible. As you're saying, it revitalized his whole career. Um, yeah. You know, a combination of his acting ability and talent plus an amazing character, you know. Maybe that's the secret sauce that is kind of missing for some of these other people. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to think. I think uh, I think Hemsworth, I mean, I'll be honest, I think you can interchange a lot of people with Thor it'll be fine. I, um, I don't think that Hemsworth's really driving the role of Thor. I think that's more of like people just liking the character of Thor. I think uh, and then you look at Chris Evans' movies, and I'm trying to think, but I don't... I think most of his movies have been streaming movies, so we haven't really seen what kind of box office he would do. So like, uh, I'm thinking of like his recent movie, Pain Hustlers, that's a Netflix film. Um you know, the gray man wasn't that, I think that was Netflix. Uh, Dives out. That was a Netflix movie. So these weren't like, or knives out. That was a big box office. Draw. I don't think that was a Netflix film. Yeah, but was, I, right? I don't think it was Evans. I think it was Daniel Craig, an, another older gentleman. Um, but because bond, I mean, I would say Daniel Craig is a, a movie star, right? You know? And yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And I guess like, um, that, well, maybe there's a, a good counterpoint, right? Like if we're looking at James Bond, that's that's a huge role that you know puts someone of bodies, and then Daniel Craig comes in and uh, embodies that role that he's able to carry other films outside of it. Yeah, it launches him to superstardom. And this <laughs> kind of goes back to not that like I mean it, it takes that combination of incredible acting ability plus that amazing character. And it goes back to kind of what we were saying about Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man. Maybe that is the secret sauce that, you know, you you could be a star player, if you will, in these big blockbuster franchises. And Chris Evans, you know, Jeremy Rayner, all these people. But if you don't have that compelling character, that one that really just that magic sauce to take it to the next level, then, you know, you, you, yeah, you're, I mean, these are A-listers and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, you know, they're, they're not A-listers, but I don't look at Chris Evans or Chris Hemsworth uh, the way I look at Daniel Craig or Robert Downey Jr. Daniel Craig's a great actor. Chris Evans sucks. Let me be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Chris Hemsworth sucks. They're not good actors. These are people that were hired because they're cheap. Chris Evans was a failed actor prior to Marvel. They, they, they try to push him into, what, the A-team. They try to push him into the Fantastic Four. 
it never worked. Like when he got cast as Captain America, I remember being disappointed. Yeah, I remember too. Yep. Yeah, and I, I think and I, I see a lot of social media posts about people pushing like Chris Evans being great in this, or you know, I thought he sucked in Knives Out too. I thought he was one of the weak points of the movie. Yeah, I mean, I I enjoyed him in Knives Out, but he wasn't. He didn't carry it for me. I mean, it, it was Ana de Armas. It was Daniel Craig. You know, it. He was, was outclassed by everyone in that film. Yeah, he was. I, like I'd he, agree with that. Yeah, that that makes him weak. Like, he, like you could be an A lister. So, and then I guess a good argument for the movie star not being dead. Let's look at the Sony side of the MCU, and you see uh, all these failed like anti-hero films, except for Venom, which is definitely one hundred percent being carried by Tom Hardy. And. I don't know about you, but I think Tom Hardy has that kind of it factor. Like he has that special sauce where he can really carry a movie and roll on his own. And I, uh, I agree with that. I think Tom Hardy has it. I think what he's lacked is is that perfect role to catapult him. Yeah, it was almost there with Bane, but then there was kind of a lull, you know. Uh, and it doesn't help when your face is covered the the whole film. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I I think Tom Hardy is one you know, one amazing character in an incredible story away from like superstardom. I do think he has that it factor. Yeah, but and I don't know. I mean, people listening are probably like, oh my God, he's in so many good movies. And I'm not saying he isn't. He He's in excellent films. But I, I think, you know, when you, you need a role, you need to be in a project where, if I come up to any person on the street and I go name five actors off the top of your head, just five that, Oh, Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks, you know, uh, Brad Pitt, like these names pop up. I I'm not hearing any of the names of people who are like actively, you know, in their thirties or forties working in Hollywood right now. And, and that's what I think is kind of interesting, strange, sad in a way. Um, but yeah, oh, yeah. You know. no, no, I, I agree completely. Um, yeah, it, he. I mean, he hasn't. He. I will say that, like, his charisma is what carried the the Venom movies, and other like otherwise that movie, those were not good movies. They were very charismatic movies, so. Like I, I don't, I don't hear a lot of people, you know, arguing that Venom was a film of the year, but if you look at the box office numbers and the the ratings online, you can see that people went and saw that movie. They saw it a bunch of times. And so, you know, what's drawing people to that movie? Yeah. You know, something else, and I'm kind of off script here with, with my questions, but something that's popped into mind is, you know, I think a a case could be made that Margot um, is kind of in hitting that level, you know, with Barbie um, recently, I, I really think you could make a case that the films she is starring in is, or are drawing people in, you know, for her and not the character necessarily. I mean, Barbie, of course, people want to see Barbie for the character and all that, but I think you have that combination right there that, you know, Downey Jr. Iron Man, 
kind of magic secret sauce, you know, recipe that could have been Margot's like star moment. You know, she was obviously in a bunch of good stuff before Wolf of Wall Street, of course, I, Tanya, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but Barbie may, and in time will tell, may have been the vehicle that kind of puts her up there now. I agree with that. And I think that uh, you can kind of see it becoming that with how upset people got in 2019 with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood when they were pissed with how yeah, few lines she had. they were bitching and moaning that she wasn't in the film enough. Yeah, exactly. And when you have people complaining that someone's not in the movie enough, you know, <laughs> you know they're doing something right, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, I, I sit here and if I do a quick Google search, right, who Hollywood actors right now, popular Hollywood actors, we get someone we haven't mentioned yet who is notorious, I think, is uh, people have, I've heard all kinds of opinions. You get Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, you know. <laughs> You get Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy does pop up per Google. So I think, um, you know, we're kind of on the money there. You get DiCaprio. Um, you also get Wonder Woman herself. But I, I don't, th- I, you know, Gal, I don't I don't think I'd make the case that. She hasn't she has been around long enough. No, and I don't like- know that she's had that combo yet. I mean, yeah, Wonder Woman did fine. Um, and she did a, a fine job there. But they were boring to me. You know, all the DC films weren't, weren't great in my opinion. You know, they were, they, there were some that were okay. Some that were fun, but um, I don't know that she has a catalog yet. That is superstar uh, level, but who, what do I know? You make an argument that uh, Ryan Reynolds is a movie star. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know well, if I could. Like free guy. You know, then he had Detective Pikachu, which I guess is Pokemon. Did that do well at the box office? I think if I remember correctly, it made like 450 million box office. Damn. I could see Ryan Reynolds. I, I could see an argument being made there. And, he, and the reason I say that is he also had a. You know, before, like before he failed, he had like this, this string of movies where he looked like a box office like star. So I remember he did like the proposal back in the day and waiting. And I, I think like the proposal did like, if I remember correctly, like $300 million on like a $40 million budget. And uh, that was him and Sandra Bullock. And uh, he had like this string of like really big hits. And then all of a sudden he just, it was after the Green Lantern. He just fell apart. Um, oh, you know, almost got ran out <laughs> with like how bad he was doing. Cause he did that. Then he did the, What's that movie, the R.I.P. one where he was like a ghost detective? Oh, yeah. That that was was one. That was one of the biggest box office bombs of all time, if I remember correctly. Damn. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That was bad. Yeah. And uh, so then, you know, after that, he was kind of like, no one wanted to touch him because he's lost like the studio so much money on like three straight movies. But then, uh, you know, Deadpool revived him. And. You could argue yeah, that that was kind of he, his Robert Downey Jr. moment, you know. I was going to really say, yeah, he is Deadpool. And then, uh, you know, then he he goes there, and he, you could say that like pretty much everything he's done since then has had a like people notice it. Like if you know, 
that movie Red Notice that came out on Netflix, people watched it. Like everyone I knew watched Red Notice. Yeah, that's true. I, I that's true. Uh, yeah, I think maybe why I hesitate is it just feels like I haven't seen anything from him recently that really smacked me. But Free Guy was good. I liked Free Guy. Um, Red Notice, you know, I thought it was just kind of your generic um, popcorn film on Netflix. Uh, yeah, they did the Adam Project. Everyone I knew watched that one. Yeah, I didn't watch the Adam Project. But it's one of those things where hey, you say, hey, did you see that new Ryan Reynolds movie? And the person yeah, in your office true. will say, hey, yeah, the the Adam Project. <laughs> or, you know, um, and, he, you know, and I think a big sign is that he had a cameo in uh, Bullet Train. And that's a movie pop, you know, that's full of big name stars. You had Brad Pitt, you had, uh, um, you know, Aaron Johnson and... You know, that, that, there's a lot of stars in that movie, and to to come in as like the surprise cameo in a film like that 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 shows you what the people in Hollywood think about you. Yeah, that's a good point. So, okay, getting back kind of on track here, and I'm sorry if you know gotten us off track. Um, how, how do you think? So, you know, we're talking about Red Notice, Ryan Reynolds. A couple, a couple of these films have been on Netflix, and there are various others. How do you think the rise of streaming platforms have really affected star power of traditional Hollywood actors, if at all? I, I think it's a, I think it's impacted it a lot. But uh, a lot of the articles I, I see are talking about how streaming has killed the movie star, and I don't necessarily agree. For example, like Ryan Reynolds, like we just talked about. What I what I do think is that we were so indoctrinated into the box office totals, like. Will Smith had six consecutive movies that made over $100 million domestically type of deal that because streaming guards their, their view numbers so closely, it's it's hard to just have one specific metric that we could go and be like, Ryan Reynolds is a star because X amount of people have watched this movie so many times in a row, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, that uh, makes sense. So it, it people will tell you that streaming is killing a movie star, but I would argue that Ryan Reynolds hasn't been impacted by that. And you can tell because they keep giving him $200 million budget movies, you know, so many times in a row at like Netflix and all these different studios. So do you think streaming has diluted the allure of being a Hollywood star or, or has made it harder? I think that's kind of what you're saying because you know, you're saying it. It's we don't have these clear metrics that we can point to now, right? Yeah, Where, hey, it's six films in a row, hundred million. That it's kind of exists in the ether. This concept. Where right now, you've I, just by us talking, I've kind of stumbled upon the fact myself that Ryan Reynolds <laughs> is quote unquote a movie star, and really, I, I, once again, that the definition. Of course, he he stars in movies. He's a movie star, but. I think, you know, the definition that I'm sitting here kind of asking my questions from is, you know, the top upper echelon, you know, top dog of Hollywood. You know, these people who are going to inherit, you know, the mantle from your DiCaprio's and, you know, the Jack Nicholson's and, you know, that kind of caliber 
Meryl Streep, these, these people. Um, so yeah. I, I think that's an interesting point that the streaming does. I mean, what it sounds like you're saying is dilute, um, you know, what, what is a movie star or what could be clearly pointed to as someone who's a movie star? Yeah. Yeah. There's a veil over the metrics that we would use previously to say what a movie star is. And in a way, I think it, it kind of like lowers the bar to become a movie star and it changes how we, it'll, it'll change what we have to do to view what a movie star is, especially when you, uh, like I, I, before it would be what actor got me out to the box, you know, to the, to the movie theater. Now it's uh, what actor do I see? And I'll just trust that that movie's good on Netflix instead of skipping over to the next one. And that's a, that's a different question to ask about what makes a movie star now because the bar is lower. You've already paid for the service. So what's getting your attention versus what's making you willing to go pay and travel to a physical place. Now, how much, how much of being a movie star quote unquote, do you think has to do with the, like going to the box office, a huge anticipation, like uh, making an event out of the trip to see this, actor actress in the role for you know because you don't get that with netflix and the stream streaming services you know even like killers of the flower moon right wow you know de niro dicaprio together again for the first time in however long decades you know underscore sacy like huge there's so much anticipation it's an apple film you know, it's going to be on Apple TV, but they knew to drop it in the theater to do a box office run, you know, obviously for financial reasons, but it builds up this, you know, event, this atmosphere. It's it's more than just, eh, that looks good. Let, let's watch it on Netflix or whatever. It's, hey, did you hear that this new movie's coming out? Are you going to go this weekend? You know, that kind of discussion i think builds up this myth you know of the Yo, movie uh, star 100 percent. I, I think that uh and, and I, I think that at the t- at the time being that's what's kind of ambiguous about the direction that we're going and that's that's kind of in my head when i think about like the death of the movie star versus whether or not it lives is how committed the studios are to really putting the money into marketing to build that mythos and put the movie out in theaters and kind of support that versus pumping the movies into their streaming services and the momentum for the last four years up until recently was to migrate that to the streaming service. And so we were seeing a fast death, but I think that that went too quick and we're starting to see the repercussions for that. Like you can, for example, how Disney took a, a studio like Pixar that was producing billion dollar movie after billion dollar movie. And because they started making their movies direct to streaming, they're like, you're not going to get a billion dollars out of those movies anymore. It completely killed the brand overnight. And so now studios are, we're starting to see that kind of pushback, like Killers of the Flower Moon didn't directly go to Apple streaming. It had a theatrical release first. 
So I don't I don't know if there you know if there's gonna be enough momentum to save that. It certainly was a good sign to see Oppenheimer and Barbie this summer and how well yeah. those did. But Killers of the Flower Moon, if we're judging the money off of like how much it made, I think it only made 150 million worldwide. Yeah. Like that definitely isn't gonna save it. But then again, Apple at the you know, when they first agreed that it was just gonna go straight to release on Apple. So they weren't counting on the box office or counting on subscribers. So do you think you know, to that point, you know, with Apple funding Killers of the Flower Moon, streaming services are, I guess, known for giving creative freedom to filmmakers, right? Yeah. But by doing that, I think that leads to unconventional casting choices that might not happen in a traditional Hollywood kind of setting, if you will. So I, I, I am curious if streaming, you know, makes it harder to distinguish or define this, you know, next movie star or to have a movie star kind of come out of the the streaming model. But at the same time, it also opens a lot of doors to capture some lightning in, in the bottle, right? Where you can have someone who's completely off the radar kind of show up and absolutely kill it because of what the streaming environment has, you know, created for them in terms of opportunity and uh, oh, yeah. launch that next person. I don't know of an example off the top of my head where that's happened. I don't know if you can think of one. I, 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 I do want, think that's interesting. I can, well, I can, I can kind of tell, give you an example in the opposite direction of how fast and loose these companies were with the money. Did you see um, – was it that recent documentary on Carl? I think Carl Rich is this dude. No, I didn't see it. So he got eleven million dollars for a sci-fi series. Oh, and is this the guy who went and gambled it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like he just gambled the money. <laughs> like, and so I think that's a perfect example of why it seemed like there was creative control. You're just giving, you're just wiring someone eleven million dollars and say, "Go make a movie." <laughs> give me a Someone movie. needs to give me a legendary <laughs> yeah. to make a movie. Like what? There's no monitoring or auditing or like bookkeeping going on here. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, I think that there was like I don't I don't know if that's going to happen anymore. I think now we're seeing the studios be way more careful. Like we're watching Netflix; they just they cancel like half their shows now. Like yeah. they're way more cutthroat. I don't I don't think I think that. For a while, there was way more creative control for the directors, but now I think that all these studios have enough data on what's being watched that they're being very cutthroat and we're seeing way more formulaic, uh, formula-type movies. I think the days of uh, someone being able to take $11 million and do uh, puts on stocks with it instead of making a show are over. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, on this topic of streaming and what I would say that – I think there is a decline of star-driven films. I think most of the films out right now are tied to like shared universes or a property, an established property. You have your reboots and you know sequel reboots. Um, you know, Scream being rebooted, Indiana Jones. You know, sequels. This kind of stuff. I think there is, has been a decline, um, but how much of that? 
you know, my question to you, do you think is actually a result or can be contributed to some of these big stars are actually going into high quality TV series and roles? So you got like Nicole Kidman, right? And Reese Witherspoon. Big little lies. Oh, yeah. I, I think that the more exposure that you see from a star, the less likely you're going to get someone to pay to go see them in theaters. If that makes sense. Yeah, that does. I, I guess what I'm curious about is, is there a lack of star driven films? Because now there are people who really are like taking their talents to TV, that they are like in the TV game right now and strutting their stuff rather than focusing on, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, and I would, I would put that into the streaming category, which is, I still think that we're seeing a lot of star driven stuff, especially on TV and in movies. Like, uh, look at all the Adam Sandler movies that come out on Netflix or like, you know, that's just one example. Or, uh, you'll see a bunch of like, you know, back in the day, um, you know, before his disease, uh, Bruce Willis, like, straight to streaming movies. Like, the, you know, they were still, like, baking on the Star Drive. Like, I think that it became cheaper to make movies to just put up on a streaming service that popped in a, a former A-list actor to get eyes on it than it was to have these people go on the marketing trail for a full theatrical run. And the same with TV. Like, if you're going to put a bunch of money into a new IP, which is you know what a lot of TV is now, it's you want to attach like a star-driven talent. Where the massive expense of making a film and putting it out to theater, like you're, you're seeing that the risk uh, reward ratio has gone towards using previous IP. You don't necessarily have to have an A-list actor. You just have to have someone that kind of fits the bill of what people are expecting for that IP. But it's yeah, all it makes it's sense. All, it's all cost, you know, uh, you know, a risk reward calculation for me. It's it's way more money, and there's a lot more moving parts to put a production together that gets a movie out to four thousand theaters across the country. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And you know, the, you'll like, ah, uh, man, like when you read about some of these. Uh, these advertising trails that actors will go on for a film, it'll be like six months of like going around doing the talk show circuits, giving interviews and things like that. It's got to be exhausting. Oh yeah. That has to be. I, I can't even, like, I can't maybe even like, imagine. <laughs> maybe you got, you got like five interviews for Red Notice for Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> they just pop that out. <laughs> so I, I've uh, kind of, Moving in a different direction from the, the streaming services, television, and whatnot, with films increasingly relying on you know special effects, CGI characters like you know Caesar from Planet of the Apes, do you think individual actors hold less sway over a movie's success? Oh, 100%. I, I think that... Uh... I, I think that a movie success now is way more story driven than it was previous. And that can be attributed to, you know, the CGI in films. Well, um, think Avatar, right? Exactly. I mean, that's you the can't first even thing. recognize <laughs> yeah. the actors who are in that. Like, I, I think most people would be very surprised. It was, was it Rachel Weiss that was in it? 
No, not Rachel uh, Weisz. It was um, no, no, Kate Winslet. Kate Winslet. Yeah. Yep. I bet most people that saw that movie didn't know Kate Winslet was in it. I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> like they'd be surprised. And they tried to do all this marketing for Avatar that kind of fell flat on its face. Like they were, you know, like the holding the the record for holding your breath underwater and things like that. And you know, it's anecdotal, obviously, but most people I talked to had no idea that that was even a thing. <laughs> Let alone like even the people that are in it. Well, you know, what's interesting is that there, you know, there's a flip side to this. So yeah, you know, you go see Avatar, you are focused. It's story driven. You're not really thinking about the movie star acting, um, you know, behind the CGI or maybe some people are, but really, I mean, you're there not to see, um, uh, what's his name? Sam Worthington as Jake Scully, right? You're there to see Jake Scully, the the character, the, the property. But on the other side of that, you have someone like Andy Serkis, who is amazing. I mean, you have Gollum, you have Caesar, um, you have Snoke. <laughs> but, you know, you have him killing it. And, and you know, you are... You believe, you know, you're watching Caesar, you're watching Gollum. Um, But I would argue that he is a movie star. It's just that people don't see him. They see his incredible acting and ability behind the CGI, right? So it's kind of interesting that, you know, it, it, the CGI does kind of take away an actor's ability to really kind of be prominent in that way. Cause I, I think the average person, you go, Hey, do you know who Gollum is? They're like, yeah, you know, yeah, but or, hey, Caesar, yeah. you know, <laughs> but like if yeah. you said Andy circus, I don't, I mean, I think movie fans, yeah. people who love movies, obviously know him, but you know, he, he doesn't get any of the respect that he probably deserves. Yeah. It, this is going to sound kind of cheesy, but maybe in a way, his acting shines through more than someone with star power does. And because he's able to drive his performances was driving people to theaters. Maybe there's something more fulfilling to that. You'd have to ask him though. He might be like, I just want that $20 million paycheck. Yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, that's true. Um, now, do you think there are regions or countries where the concept of the movie star remains stronger than in Hollywood? I mean, my 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 foreign film game lately has been weak. I'm afraid to admit, but you know, I, it's something I was thinking about. Where you know, in, in America, you have this machine of manufacturing the product, you know, and and the product has been shared universes and you know this and that. But I'm curious about whether you know the South Korean film scene or, or Bollywood. I mean. I've always had the impression that Bollywood films are, are very movie star driven. Um, yeah, that's what that's what I heard, but I, I don't want to sound ignorant to, or I don't want to show my ignorance and say that I am up to date enough on that on that industry to really say if it's true or not. You know? Yeah, I mean, I've I've had uh, quite a few friends who um, are from India and, and have spoken to me about the film game out there and. You know, I've always had the impression that these actors and, and actresses are, are like demigods, you know, kind of like they they are yeah. on that level of 
you know, people are going to see the film because they're in it, not because the story looks good or sounds good or whatever. So yeah, it is interesting, right? You know, you have a, a system that is quite different than the Hollywood system currently, but yeah, I wonder if South Korea, um, you know, obviously I, seen some of the bigger South Korean films that have come out recently and, you know, they're excellent, but I am curious what their star culture is like. Maybe that's something we should research and circle back on. Yeah. I'd have to come back to that because I'm just going to, I'm really just going to show my ignorance on this one. (laughs) So, okay. Moving into social media, you have these TikTokers, you know, the influencers, um, one of them, which recently made it into, uh, I, I can't remember her name. It's some, some girl who does the, or lady who does the, um, TikTok stuff. She is in the new Thanksgiving film. Uh, she made it in, you know, didn't really recognize her at first, but then caught her. Um, I thought she did okay. You know, she wasn't like a standout performance, but you now have these, social media stars who are now transitioning into Hollywood <clears throat> films. Do you think there is a future or a path where people kind of amass, this is kind of like the Dwayne Johnson, you know, the rock model where he has such a heavy social media influence and following that he's, he kind of willed his way into being a movie star. Although I'd argue that a lot of his films, especially lately haven't been, widely successful or, or wildly successful. Um, but you have these TikTokers, influencers who seem to be primed and ready to leverage their existing fan base to propel them potentially to movie star status. Yeah. And I, you know, I hope it works out for them. It's so far I haven't seen the evidence that it has. Thanksgiving was a box office bomb. I think it barely made back its budget. No way, really? I thought they greenlit a sequel for it already. They might have, but it's I think it's at like sixteen million on a fifteen million dollar budget right now. Wow. So and you know, the, I I saw that they tried to like with like the Logan brothers in a movie and then those guys never got another opportunity. It's it's uh it's one of those things where I think it's gonna depend on the person. And I really like you can see like historically where this isn't like the first round of people that aren't movie stars being given a platform in movies because of like their status elsewhere. And I think a perfect example would be like music, right? Where like Beyonce and, you know, um, Goldmember or, you would see Barbara Streisand getting films back in the day or Cher getting films. And it's, it's kind of hit or miss on whether or not, like, I think you still, you could be someone that has a big following, but if you're not charismatic on film, it's just not going to go anywhere. There's, there's more requirements of just having a built-in audience. And one of those requirements is being someone that's enjoyable to watch for two hours. Yeah, I wonder how much of the 30-second TikTok model <laughs> prevents these people from developing, <laughs> you know, yeah. the skills to to be entertaining for um, two hours. 
Yeah, and I, I guarantee that there are going to be people that transition from that and they're going to do great. I don't know who those people are yet, but it's, it's going to happen. Like, we do see people make the jump. Um, it just hasn't happened yet. Or if it has, it's someone I wasn't familiar with. So, hold on. I'm, I'm looking up Thanksgiving here. And it says the it scored a box office success with 11.1 million in its second weekend. Um, uh, must, have, must have just jumped because I was looking at it like five days ago. It had an impressive week two drop of just 31%, making the smallest or marking the smallest drop for any horror movie in 2023. They go on to say, I think it's at 30 something million on a 38 on a 15 million budget and they've greenlit a sequel. Um, but that, that TikTok star, she wasn't the main character. She was just in it. I had noticed that um, I, 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 she may have died. Um, yeah, look at it right now. It's uh, $22 million in the U.S., $15 million remote. I think, uh, yeah, I'll stay corrected that on the $17 million, I was way off on that. But definitely not like... I don't know that she's it. carrying that, though. You know what yeah. I mean? I just yeah. think it's interesting. You're starting to see kind of these folks creep into the films, and I wonder if that is going to be a trend moving forward where you have Hollywood saying, okay, you got, you know, 50 million TikTok followers. Let's see if you can drive them to the movie. And if you can, even if it's shit, but you can, we're going to start propping you up. And then who really, I mean, if people are going for their favorite TikTok person to see a film, maybe that fits the definition of of a movie star or star-driven film. Now to hit, you know, DiCaprio-level status and these other people – You'd have to have a long career of doing this and making good money, I'm sure. But oh yeah, that really, you know, social media, I think, does present kind of a, a new challenge to how we've seen this system develop talent. You know. Oh yeah, and uh, what's a what should we call it? Um, I, I think a per, another perfect example is uh, two of the. Number of movies that we've had uh, going back to October are concert movies. Yeah, that's true. Because I think Beyonce's was just number one, right? It made like $25 million. Uh, this is not film. That's not film to me. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be a, <laughs> purist a gatekeeper right now, yeah, a purist. Um, but no, I mean respect. You, you got a product that you're putting in the theater. You're selling. It's doing good numbers. I understand. <laughs> Um, but I don't, you know, concert films, does it qualify? Are they telling a, a story throughout the concert? You know, Hamilton, I'd say does. That's a story. It's a play, you know, and, you know, concert, quote unquote, live action kind of, um, yeah, I guess you it, know, that's scene, a, whatnot. It's kind, of, yeah, it's kind of for sure. But pure, <laughs> just pure, pure singing concert. Is that film? I mean, it. I guess, but not really. I guess what I'm thinking of is a person driving someone to the theater. Yeah. And uh, well, Taylor, Swift, you know, Taylor Swift was a big driver. The movie made like $250 million. Yeah, but Taylor Swift, is she a movie star? Well, she was in the... What was, what was the movie that she was in back in the day? Like Valentine's Day, wasn't she? She was like the high school cheerleader. What? She was in a movie? 
didn't uh-huh. realize that. Yeah. Uh, what was it? I'm looking up real quick. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, you know, Beyonce, the movie star. I mean, she's been in movies. Beyonce, you know, Gold Member. Um, yeah, she was a uh, she's Felicia in uh, Valentine's Day, and then she was, she also got ran over by a car in um, Amsterdam. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Amsterdam. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe she qualifies. She was in a couple movies, and now she has a huge <laughs> box office hit. <laughs> Although Amsterdam was like one of the. Biggest box office losers in like the last 10 years. I know. Yeah, that was a, a stinker. <laughs> Couldn't have happened to um, a better person. So <laughs> I guess, yeah, right. Um, I, so something I'm curious to get your take on is, you know, how do you perceive the role of film critics and their influence in the age of Rotten Tomatoes? Oh, it's, it's over. I think that the, I think and, the, you know, the second half, and I think this is where you're going, is fan-driven scores. You know, yeah. like that, the, the user, the viewer rating I think, versus uh, the critic rating. I think that um, we're in this weird area where I think Rotten Tomatoes really just neutered the film critic, the written film critic. I think that film criticism still lives very strong as like a persona on YouTube and probably TikTok and Instagram where you have, uh, I think people are watching it more in video form now and finding, you know, content creators that they like and respect the opinion of that way. Uh, I'm sure that there are still people that are going to Roper's blog and reading his reviews on film. But I I think that the last big film critic kind of died with uh, Roger Ebert and that the, the, the new wave is people getting their you know they're they're going to they're going to YouTube and they're or they're going to Instagram and they're finding their favorite their favorite guy there. So how do you do you think that these fan driven scores or, or reviewers? Because it sounds like the critics no longer have an impact in your view on the importance of a movie star being in a film. But what it, I think I am hearing you you say is that really it's people are now kind of finding their tribe, their spokesperson, the person who aligns with, you know, their own uh, taste and they're listening to that in order to make an opinion on whether they should go to the movie or not. Do you think the user kind of score or the general audience feedback drives people into the theater more than a movie star would? Or, or do you think it's a balance, a mixture between the two? I think I think uh, I think a lot of people are they're going to see what kind of what their tribe's thinking on their social media site, and then they'll do a quick glance on Rotten Tomatoes and look at the critic score, and then they'll look at the the aggregate fan score. And I don't think most people are scrolling down into the Rotten Tomato scores to look for one specific critic anymore. They're just like, oh, this has a ninety, and it has a fan rating of eighty eight, and I watched so and so on YouTube, and he liked it. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. I it's hard to say. I mean, ever with where we're at now in society with, you know, social media and it's just so easy for people to create, you know, and and so easy for people to um really, I guess, get their information from so many different places. Right? That it's hard to really kind of put your finger on the pulse or at least it is for me. 
It's really difficult. It, it's it's and I I give a I'll give people the the general audience some slack here. It's hard. Like the thing about YouTube is that you can just have stuff playing in the background, and you can get like a general gist of what's going on with the movie and what someone thought of it, without having to be actively engaged. Or you can get like a quick TikTok or a quick Instagram reel, and not have to be that engaged. But with so much content, like just so many movies to be released on Netflix every day, Apple every day, the TV shows, everything, the stuff coming out in theaters. It's like I don't have time to go and read an article for every single piece of media. If I was doing that, it would be like 50 articles a day. Like that's just so much content coming out. It'd be more than 50 a day. Like who has the time to go to written format for that? Like we need this short form, you know, critic just to even exist in this type of media system. Otherwise I'm just going to go in blind and just get a quick number. Like Rotten Tomatoes on Rotten Tomatoes at 90. Like, you know, back in the day when there weren't that many movies coming out like they are now, I had the time to really dissect what all the reviews were saying. I remember when Inglorious Bastards came out in 2009, you and I were just sitting there when the first 11 reviews came out. It was like six good, five bad. We we're just like, holy shit, did Tarantino fuck up? Yeah, <laughs> it's true. I remember that. And we, and we talked about it for weeks. Like, we were nervous. Now it's like, it, dude, if a bad movie comes out now, we just immediately just push it out. Of, like, it's not... We just don't think about it. There's too much content to really dwell on something bad. Yeah, that's a good point. So I guess, you know, kind of concluding here, if you could speculate or summarize kind of where you fall on this, the question I have for you is, do you think the era of the movie star, the Tom Cruise, the Brad Pitt's, you know, these kinds of uh, careers we've seen, do you think it's truly over or going to be over? Or is this just taking a new form that we haven't really fully recognized? I think I know the answer. Yeah, I I think it's a new form. But I I don't think that the box office is going to die. I think you can look at like the book industry, right? And there are still big names that come out and they draw a lot of people in to come buy their book. But I don't think that anyone would say that the authors nowadays are as big as the ones were 50 years ago, 60 years ago. Like the, but you still have like people that are your, your big sellers. So I think there's always going to be people that draw people into the theaters. I think that the theaters overall market share of our attention is going to just keep following though. And there's going to be less box office draws, like less box office stars. And we'll still have movie stars, but. It'll be people that are streaming and we'll see them in different types of formats than we're used to. And it's, it's going to evolve. I like that future. I like, um, I like the idea of, of this being more democratized. I like the idea of more people having the ability to break in and, and kind of develop their own following. Maybe not just mass appeal, but you know, factions, uh, if you will, of of different stars doing different activities. And yeah, you know, it's it's like instead of taking a concentration of power and influence, um, you know, it's spread out more. It's more distributed. Yeah, exactly. I, I think it's, uh, people have a doomsday look on it, but I think it's really healthy. I think uh, the fact that you probably had a TikTok star that, makes more money probably on TikTok than they ever would in film. 
is trying to get their feet wet in film. They didn't carry it. You know, you could say that's bad or good or whatever, but those are two different audiences that are trying to blend right there. Yeah. And that's interesting. And it's uh, the same as when we see someone that writes books, try to write their first screenplay or like Tarantino who writes, who makes movies is starting to get his feet wet in writing novels and podcasting and podcasting. And we're, you know, the more that we integrate these streaming services or things like YouTube into ways where people can make money off of YouTube and become YouTube creators as a full-time profession, the more ways we'll see people be able to realize that kind of dream of creating things that people enjoy. And it'll be less one, there'll be less of one system kind of deciding what people watch and people will be able to watch things that they, they like without having to, to really um, kind of cut off part of their personality, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I think it does. Um, well, that's all the questions I have for you, sir. <laughs> fun. Thanks for letting me interview you on this topic I've been thinking about for a while. I think uh, an interesting one that we need to do, we've talked about it, is how we think artificial intelligence is going to impact the industry. Oh, man. That's a whole can of worms. <laughs> yeah, that is a whole can of worms. You know, I, I really appreciate your questions. They're really well thought out. And got me thinking and cooking my noodle. Thank you. Um, we'll do it again here on whether it's AI or some other topic. The interview format is, I think, pretty interesting. Yeah, it's, uh, I like pretty it. thought provoking. I like it a lot, and we'll get, we'll get our next one in before the release of GTA Six. Yes, that's a guarantee. We, got 18 we, we can commit to <laughs> dropping an episode before GTA 6 <laughs> in 2025. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Shout out, Jordan. Um, it's coming out December 31st, 2025. <laughs> we, we got the inside scoop here at the study pipe before anyone else. <laughs> um, the guy who leaked everything, I'm friends with him too. I guess yeah. he's friends with uh, <laughs> the, the like son the- of that guy who... <laughs> is the head of Rockstar North. It's like the kid that you've been playing video games with online. He's like, my dad works for Bungie. Yep. <laughs> this is I can get you a new skin. <laughs> Just give me your credit card. Right. Um, <laughs> cool. All right. Well, thanks, man. And uh, thanks for all those listening. We will. We got some a couple interesting ideas kind of baking in the oven that are coming. I'm excited. So stay tuned. <laughs>